Jesus Christ, when he gave us the Lord's Prayer, wasn't simply giving us something uh, to repeat, uh, something to say over and over again, but he was showing us how to pray. Uh, his, his declaration was, pray in this manner. His understanding was, he was trying to lead us to, was the understanding of acknowledging your prayer, the majesty of God. Our Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. He was asking us in our prayers to, to identify his will, that, that may his will come. He was asking us to pray in a manner that, that aligns with the desires of God. That as we enter into prayer, we understand who God is, and we, and we pray in that place from that understanding. And it makes sense that Jesus Christ desired and took the time to teach us to pray because throughout the Gospels, we see prayer as a priority in his ministry and his teaching. How often do you read the Gospels and you see Jesus Christ saying that I'm, I'm going to withdraw and I'm going to go and spend time with the Father? How often does he get to that quiet place and spend time in quiet prayer and contemplation of the Heavenly Father? How often does he teach over and over again, the understanding of what prayer is and how to pray. Over 60 times, either narratively or instructively, we see prayer as a part of Christ's ministry and a part of Christ's teaching. And when you look in the, in, in the book of Acts, which is, which is essentially the, the story of the first century, we, when you look at that story, when you look at the, the recording of what took place in the first century, you, you can see that they got it. They understood the importance of it. Because time and time and time and time and time again, throughout the book of Acts, what you see is the church gathering together to pray. So often you saw the apostles, you saw, you saw Paul in his journey where it was, he was in prayer. We, we, we saw Peter as he went up onto the roof to pray. This is such a part of what the church should be doing and needs to be doing. One of, one of the most powerful stories as it relates to Jesus' teaching to the disciples on prayer, is recorded at one of the most powerful moments of his life. It is at the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus is facing his own life. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. When I read this passage, as much as I want to look down on the disciples for their lack of discipline, because that's kind of where your, your mind goes at first, isn't it? Gosh, Jesus is facing the end of his life, and you guys couldn't stop and pray for a few moments with him? You fell asleep? As much as I want to read this and look down on them for their lack of discipline and their, and their lack of obedience, I find myself too often identifying with their failure. Um, the call to pray is ubiquitous throughout Scripture. And yet so often in our own personal lives, we, we ignore that call or, or we set that call aside and we don't have it be a part of who we are. We are instructed throughout Scripture, as I said, to pray to get away, to gather together, to be in one accord, to pray. And, and it's not, it, it is not, 
it, it is not just to do. It's not just for the simple exercise. It's not, it's not God just saying, hey, I want to see how, how, much you're, how obedient you are or how disciplined you are. It is for our spiritual well-being. It's for our spiritual good. We see here, Christ is teaching us and saying, I want you to do this because it matters, because it makes a difference in your life. That's, what, that's why I find Christ's teaching here so instructive. He acknowledges the condition most of us find ourselves in when he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I mean, if, if, you, were, if you were to identify, if you, were, if you were to describe your spiritual life as it relates to prayer, how many of you could identify with that? Because I know I can't. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus Christ acknowledges that. He, he identifies that as our state. In fact, and in, fact, in fact, to be honest with you, it feels like he's plucked these words right out of my mind when I approach prayer. God, my spirit is willing, but man, my flesh is weak. But in this, he also reveals to us the practice of prayer is essential for our spiritual well-being. Because he says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. His words reveal the truth that the presence of the practice of prayer in our lives will strengthen us to live the life that Christ calls us to. I can tell you that the less I pray, the more I struggle with temptation. But the more I commit my time to personal and corporate prayer, the more I avoid the struggles of the flesh. This is what Jesus was saying. He he wasn't talking about specifically to to the disciples in that moment. He's talking about this. This is what's so powerful to me. At this this moment, Jesus Christ is facing his death. As, as As he is distraught by what he is facing, he takes the time to teach us a lesson. Listen, Guys, you need to watch and you need to pray so that you don't fall into temptation. And as I said, there there are very concrete reasons why this is. We are constantly pointed to prayer in Scripture because when we engage in prayer, our focus changes. First of all, when we engage in prayer, it focuses our mind on the supremacy of God. It focuses our mind on the supremacy of God. The act of prayer itself acknowledges the throne room overseer position of God. It, it acknowledges we go to prayer. Why? We go to prayer because he's God. We go to prayer because, because he is the one who is God. He is the one who is over all things. He is the one who is majestic and powerful and God. Why do we pray to God? Why, why do I pray to God in, in, instead, of, instead of Bill? Why, why, do I, why do I pray to God instead of Fred? Why do I pray, pray to God in, in, instead of Ed? Because he's God. So the very act of prayer acknowledges, focuses our minds on the reality that he is God that he is over the circumstances, he is over the situation. It allows us to rise our, raise our eyes above what is here, above the circumstances here, above the problems here, and realize he is majestic over it all. He is Lord over it all. 
Every prayer inherently declares what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 29. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. That is our declaration when we pray. It rises our, it raises our eyes above the circumstances of our lives. It raises our eyes above the struggles of this life. It raises our eyes above the problems of this life to say, He rules over it all. Prayer changes the focus of our minds and puts it on the supremacy of God. Second, prayer focuses our hearts on the provision of God. One of the foundational convictions that is necessary for the spiritual growth of the believer is that God is the source of all that is good in our lives. It, it is, it, you will never grow in your Christian faith unless you have that conviction. Unless you have the conviction, more specifically, that which, that which is good for us comes from the only one that is truly good. It is, it, it, our hearts become divided, we become tempted when we believe something beside Jesus is the source of our good. This is true, isn't it? This is what Jesus said. He said, watch and pray so that you're not tempted. We, see, when I go to prayer, what I realize is I'm going to him because I believe he is the source of what I need. He is the source of my good. He is the source of my hope. He is the source of it all. And temptation comes when we believe something out there is that source. That's how we become tempted. But prayer is, is, the, is, the, is the very real acknowledgement that he is our everything. The things of the world become a, a temptation when we perceive the things of the world as the source of our whatever. We perceive the world as the source of our happiness or the, or the source of our joy or the source of our peace or the source of our protection or the source of our companionship or the source of our provision. But prayer is the acknowledgement that he is my source and that's why I'm praying to him. Prayer helps us set our hearts on, uh, on that which God provides because we are going to him for that provision. This is exactly what James is telling us in the first chapter of his book. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, birth gives birth, conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Temptation becomes sin when we believe the good gifts come from somebody other than God. And when we pray, it is the very real acknowledgement that he is the provider of all that is good. Prayer focuses our hearts on the one who provides. And finally, prayer focuses our spirits 
on the supernatural power of God. This is one of the truths about prayer that I think so often we, we, we seem to ignore. But I would contend that the most purely supernatural act that we are encouraged to engage in by God's word is prayer. I mean, you think about it. God, God encourages us to give to the poor. Well, that's, that's very real, right? I hold it in my hands and I hand it to a poor person. God, God encourages us to read the word and I open up a book and I see the words and it's, and it's all very, very natural, right? It's all very, very physical. He asks me to be in fellowship one with another. He asks me to partake of the Lord's Supper. All of these different things are very tangible and very, very natural. Prayer is extremely supernatural, isn't it? How does me, well, and you don't have to do it this way, but how does me closing my eyes, bowing my head, and thinking thoughts in my mind as it relates to wanting this change or wanting that to happen or wanting this to take place? It's not, it's not very natural, is it? It's not very concrete. It's not something you see or feel or taste or touch. It is the belief that there is a supernatural God whose spirit is connecting with my spirit and changing something. Right? The act of prayer is stepping into this place, stepping into this space where you are acknowledging he is a spirit God who is supernatural and beyond me. And I am a spirit being that is connecting with the spirit of God to see something take place. This is the act of prayer, that God is something beyond this place, these things. It's fascinating to me how we struggle so often with the supernatural nature of God. He is God. He is the one who created all things. He is beyond the natural. And our prayer acknowledges, God, you are powerful. God, you are supernatural. God, you can do. And when we pray, it focuses our spirit on the spirit nature of God as a supernatural being who has power to change things. This is such an important development in our understanding of Christ. Henry Blackaby writes of prayer and says this, When our faith is based primarily on the wisdom of men and not on the power of God, we've just nullified most of what God intended for our lives. When our faith is built on a collection of doctrines, we miss out on the person who wants to be our life. Here's what I acknowledge in my prayers. My spirit needs the spirit of God to move in supernatural power, to change me, to heal me, to redeem me, to restore me, to do that which I cannot do because I am not God. This is the God we pray to. This is the God that we come to. God is a healing God. God is a redeeming God. God is a supernatural God who has the power to do whatever we ask him to do. As we go to prayer, this is the position of our hearts. It is my desire that as we go to prayer as the congregation... That, that each of these is on the forefront of our minds. Each of these is on the forefronts of our hearts. Each of these is on the forefront of our spirits. He is a God who reigns supreme 
as the provider of all that is good. And through his might and supernatural power, he provides it to us. This is our prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we turn to you in this moment, acknowledging all that you are, the supreme God who reigns over all circumstances and all things, whatever they may be in our lives, whether they're things of our spirit or whether they're things of our mind or whether they're things of our flesh, you reign over it all. We come to you and we focus our hearts on you as the provider of all things. There is nothing in this world that can give us the good that you have for us. And we focus our spirits on the truth that you are a supernatural God who by your spirit is doing supernatural things. And we reach out to you and we ask you, Father, move in our circumstances and our situation. We as your church come to you now in prayer for all of this and all that you are. Your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Our first focus this morning is going to be a prayer for more of God. Then this moment, we as a congregation will come together and we will focus our hearts and we will pray and we will seek and say, God, we seek after more of you. We turn our backs on the things of this world in this moment and we set our face towards you and we seek your face. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry out, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I see.